Welcome back to Sports Crutch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromolo. After a brief six-month hiatus, I am pleased to announce that we are back and ready to give you more exciting NFL content from all angles, whether it be your favorite team, fantasy football, the NFL draft, or anything NFL-related, we will have you covered like never before. And how fitting is it that we return right now since the first of 32 NFL training camps begins in just a few days? And in that spirit, we begin our 2019 NFL Division-by-Division preview series with a look at the NFC North, or as Chris Berman called it, the NFC Norris. And to help us break down all things Bears, Vikings, Packers, and Lions is our good friend Jordan Reed. Jordan is one of the best football minds out there, especially when it comes to the NFL draft. And over the past year, his career has taken off, and he is becoming one of the go-to guys for NFL draft information and analysis. He now writes for the Draft Network, my personal favorite NFL draft site, and hosts his own podcast, The Draft Board. Is, is that right? Is that the name of the podcast, The Draft Board? Yes, it is. Awesome. I can't wait to check that out myself. And Jordan is also a wonderful friend of ours here at Sports Crunch, and it's a pleasure to welcome back to the program. How are you doing, Jordan? Great, David. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's always a pleasure having you on, Jordan, and you're very welcome. And let's start with the reigning NFC North Division champion, Chicago Bears, whose incredible 2018 season ended in the worst possible way with a partially blocked double-doink missed field goal against the Eagles in the wildcard round. And since then, the Bears' situation kicker is arguably a million times more uncertain than it was on that day. Cody Parkey might have been jettisoned, but no kicker on the current roster has been able to distinguish himself from the pack. Which kicker, whether on the current active roster or open market, can you see providing some stability for the Bears at that position this season? Well, they were hoping for Robbie Gould. That situation's to unfold negatively, but he ended up signing the, the lucrative long-term deal today uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. But all the reports coming out, there really is no headliner or no leader right now, so nobody really knows who's going to be kicking for them. Uh, during week one so my guess is as good as yours right now and we really don't know how good these kickers are going to be until they line up and kick during week one and I know that's going to be a shadow over Bears fans just because of how the season ended last year so the kicker battle is probably going to be one of the most heated battles in training camp. Uh, One of the most heated battles in training camp league-wide and can you think of any kicker who's on the open market right now that the Bears could use? Ooh, um, Kai Forbath, maybe he could be a guy that could help them. I know he's had some time with the Cowboys and with the the Vikings over some time as well. Now, he's not a long-distance guy, but as far as accuracy, uh, underneath 50 yards, I think he's money from there. And they just want a guy that can be accurate. It's not even about distance for them. It's just knocking it through the uprights. Yeah, Kai Forbath should be a name for the Bears to monitor. And let's go to the offensive side of the ball where Jordan Howard was traded to the Eagles and to help replace him, the Bears traded up in the third round to select David Montgomery, a talented, multifaceted running back out of Iowa State. I personally was a huge fan of this pick. Do you think that David Montgomery is an upgrade over Howard in Matt Nagy's offense? And if you do, how so? Yeah, I do. I think it's a perfect match. And them getting him in the third round with their first pick in the draft, I thought that was fantastic just because nobody knew what the Bears were going to do just because they didn't have a first or a second round pick because of the Khalil Mack trade. And they sit back, they wait, they get David Montgomery, he falls right into their laps. And I mean, they ended up trading an asset in Jordan Howard and getting back picks for him. But now you have another young rookie uh, running back opposite of Tariq Cohen, who both of those guys really paired together really well, and I really like what that duo can bring together. Uh, Yes, and uh, a lot of uh, people believe that David Montgomery has much better passing game chops than Jordan Howard. 
Yeah, he's a much better receiver, much more fluid of an athlete, too. Now, neither one of those guys are necessarily explosive, but I think Montgomery brings more to the table as far as breaking tackles and what he can do and create something out of nothing. And now let's put this in a fantasy football angle as we go to the Bears' fantasy focus. Would you be surprised if David Montgomery is the back getting most of the carries right off the bat, along with Tariq Cohen and uh, Mike Davis is in the mix as well? Oh, yeah, I expect Montgomery to be the lead dog in that backfield and then mixing in, sprinkling in Tariq Cohen, and not just as a rusher. They like to use him split out wide as a receiver, too, but I think David Montgomery is going to get a boatload of the carries. Oh, I personally think so, too, and plus Lance Zierlein uh, compared him to Kareem Hunt, who Matt Nagy had in Kansas City, so the fit in the system, uh, that explains it right there. Yeah, I, I think that's a spot on comparison. They they are very similar prospects as well. Totally. And moving to the defensive side of the ball, the Bears lost two underrated pieces of their top shelf 2018 defense in nickel corner Bryce Callahan, who went to Denver to reunify with Vic Fangio, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and safety Adrian Amos, who was picked up by the hated rival Packers. So which of those players will be the hardest to replace in your opinion? Oh, it definitely will be Callahan, in my opinion, just because nickel corner is essentially like a starting position in today's NFL. And even though he battled some injury issues down the backstretch of the year, he was near elite when he was playing, manning that spot. Uh, he's a turnover machine, a guy that catches a boatload of interceptions, and he had an opportunity to catch even more. But as far as not worrying about that position at that nickel corner spot, that's something that defensive coordinators really dream of. So losing Callahan was a huge loss to them. Oh, I completely agree. They probably didn't uh, resign him for the amount Denver did because of his uh, injury history. But Bryce yeah. Callahan was an underrated uh, component of that defense, and he was sorely missed in that wildcard playoff game. Like I remember that final touchdown pass to uh, Golden Tate. Uh, Adrian Amos was in coverage, and that's where he's a liability. And that could have been Callahan on that play, and they could have had a different outcome. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, at the age of 60, finally got his long-overdue head coaching opportunity with my Denver Broncos, and he will be in charge of overseeing that roster overhaul there. And to replace him, though, the Bears uh, got Chuck Pagano, who I actually really like. I Chuck Pagano was one of the best options on the market, especially since they lost the Todd Bowles sweepstakes, since uh, Todd Bowles wanted to go where Bruce Arians went. So uh, Chuck Pagano is uh, the perfect replacement for Vic Fangio, in my opinion. And many Bears uh, fans and analysts think that uh, his scheme is an upgrade as far as the skill sets of the Bears defenders are concerned than Vic Fangio's. How do you think Chuck Pagano's systems fits the skill sets of the Bears defense better than Vic Fangio's did? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a better fit, but as far as more of a attacking nature, I think that definitely is true. And Vic Fangio, he's a guy that does like to have an attacking style, but Chuck Pagano takes it to a whole nother level. And even if you go back and look at his days with the Colts, he loved to have that attacking defense, even though they didn't have the personnel that the Bears do currently. But he wants to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and just make offensive coordinators think every time they're out on the field. So having that attacking defense, he has the perfect personnel to do that just because the Bears defense is loaded with speed on every single level. Yes, and a guy who I can't wait to see in Chuck Pagano's scheme is Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, this this fourth-round pick out of Alabama in 2017, has quietly become one of the NFL's best at his position. And uh, Chuck Pagano's uh, 
last greatest uh, free safety was Ed Reed, who will be enshrined in Canton in just a few weeks in Baltimore. So uh, do you think uh, Eddie Jackson in Chuck Pagano's scheme is like a match made in heaven or what? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he's an absolute playmaker. Everybody's seen it last year. I believe he had five pick sixes. Uh, of, the, of the six interceptions that he had last year. Don't quote me on that. I believe that's what it was. He had eight. It was okay. That's what it was. So, I mean, he's a guy that's a terrific playmaker, just has a nose for the ball. He's a ball magnet. And whenever he gets the ball in his hands, he's trying to score. And that's what you love to see out of a defender, especially on the back line of your defense. And I think he can be that security blanket on Chuck Pagano's defense. He most certainly can. And moving from the Bears to your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, who I predicted to go to the Super Bowl last year, but uh, they got derailed due to some uh, bad luck on defense with injuries. But I believe the main thing that derailed them last season was their poorest offensive line play. And to help fix that problem, the Vikings selected Garrett Bradbury, who was considered the best center prospect in years with their first-round pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network calls him the Grim Reacher because of his uh, otherworldly reach blocking. And can you see Garrett Bradbury making at least somewhat of a similar impact on the entire Vikings offensive line as Quentin Nelson did with the Colts last year? Uh, Quentin Nelson is a far, far more elite talent than Garrett Bradbury, but I'm just talking about the impact that one guy can bring to an entire offensive line and make the entire unit better. Yeah, and I think you're spot on with that as far as an impact standpoint. Now, I don't think Garrett Bradbury is going to be a first-team All-Pro as a rookie or anything like that, but just as far as the effect that he can have on the offense as a whole and just galvanizing this unit together, I think he can have that type of impact. And Jason Kelsey was a popular comparison for him, and I think he's just a, a terrific of an athlete as Kelsey was coming out, and I think he has the same type of smarts. And I actually got a chance to talk to him down at the Senior Bowl. He's a very intelligent guy. And I just love everything about him. And I'm really satisfied that this is where the Vikings opted to go because the offensive line really derailed their entire season last year. They just weren't able to keep Kirk Cousins upright. And Bradbury now at the center of that attack, I think that can help them tremendously. It most certainly can. And sticking on the offensive side of the ball for a moment, let's uh, bring in our Vikings fantasy focus. With uh, Gary Kubiak now in the Vikings building as essentially the Vikings co-offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski might be listed as the offensive coordinator, but Gary Kubiak as the assistant head coach is going to have just as much say in the offensive game plan as it appears. I am personally anticipating a lot more two tight end sets from the Vikings this season. And the Vikings need a third pass catcher to emerge behind Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And while the Vikings may have extended Kyle Rudolph, they did select Alabama tight end Irv Smith with their second round pick. And Daniel Jeremiah compared Irv Smith to Jordan Reed, who was Kirk Cousins' absolute favorite target when he was with the Redskins. Can you see Irv Smith becoming that third option in the passing game behind Thielen and Diggs by midseason, if not sooner? Yeah, absolutely. I think that comparison is spot on very, very similar players. And Reed is, a, Reed is a bit bigger than what Irv Smith is. But what I love most about Irv Smith is that he's not much of a blocker, but as far as him being involved involved in the passing game, he can be that. He can operate from an inline position uh, out wide. And even at Alabama, he was a guy that really dominated in those 12 personnel sets where they had double tight ends on the field. So him and Kyle Rudolph can mesh very well together. And I expect Irv Smith to quickly be that third guy that they're opting to mix in just because the Vikings wide receiver depth chart behind Thielen and Diggs is just very poor right now. And there isn't a third guy that has emerged and they're hoping one of these undrafted free agents or Laquan Trewell can finally be that guy. But I think the reason they took Irv Smith Jr. was to, to, was to really train him in that wide receiver three mode, especially with how much 12 personnel that Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak like to incorporate. 
Oh, absolutely. And especially him being that move tight end, he's essentially a supersized wide receiver. Yeah, and uh, moving to the defensive side of the ball, and uh, by the way, uh, Irv Smith is a intriguing late-round fantasy sleeper, fantasy folks, so uh, keep his name on your draft boards when you're thinking of a late-round sleeper. And moving to the defense now, the Vikings were actually fourth in total defense last season, but it didn't feel quite as dominant as their performance during that magical 2017 season. What is the most important thing do you think that needs to happen for the Vikings defense to play closer to that 2017 level this season? I think health is a big reason. And I say that because the big reason that the defense was derailed last year was the entire Everson Griffin situation. And everybody knows what happened with that. I don't need to go into detail with as far as what happened with him and his mental health situation. But he is the vocal leader of this defense. And they were missing his voice when he was out or when he was not out there, I should say. They started with the Buffalo Bills game, then it carried over to the Los Angeles Rams game when he was missing in. It just something was missing with the defense, and it definitely was him. But as far as the talent, I think this is by far one of the more talented defenses throughout the league. Uh, they are a bit soft up the middle, uh, and I say that because they did lose Sheldon Richardson this year, who I thought was a terrific player. He ended up going to the Cleveland Browns. Linval Joseph, who was a very good player, but outside of that, they really don't have any depth at that position. They bought Shamar Steffen back, but he's more of a rotational guy. Uh, so hopefully Everson Griffin is able to stay healthy this year, and that D-line can be really good. I think they can be good. Anthony Barr is back. Everyone knows what happened in the offseason with him. Basically jettisoned the Jets, uh, so to speak. No cliche intent, no pun intended. Um, so he, he jettisoned the Jets. He came back just because it didn't feel right. And, I mean, the secondary is always loaded. We know Mike Zimmer and Rick Spillman are going to keep the defensive back position stock just because that's what coach Zimmer believes in and Mike Hughes is coming back off an ACL injury and I expect him probably to be back full strength by midseason. And speaking of Mike Hughes uh, who was looking incredible at the start of his rookie season before tearing that ACL um, Paul Allen the radio play-by-play guy for the Vikings who you know he was quoted uh, several months back by saying that he is not optimistic that Mike Hughes is going to be ready to suit up uh, by week one is that a similar feeling you get? Yeah, yeah, it's a very similar um, feeling that I have. PA is a good friend of mine. If we talked about Mike Hughes, he's a huge fan of him. I am too. Um, the Holton Hill situation, it really hurt just because he suspended those first four games of the year. and He was coming on strong down the backstretch of the year after Mike Hughes went down. So not having both of those guys basically through the first quarter of the season, I think the Vikings' depth that corner is going to be very limited. So they're going to have to figure out what to do there, which is going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, yes, hopefully some of those uh, younger guys uh, can uh, step up uh, in training camp for the Vikings. And moving to Green Bay, where the Packers are ready to begin a new era under new head coach Matt LaFleur, who was hired after 13 years of Mike McCarthy. And Matt LaFleur studied under Sean McVay, where he was the Rams quarterback's coach uh, in 2017, and Kyle Shanahan, where he was the Falcons quarterback's coach during Matt Ryan's 2016 MVP season. And those two guys in McVay and Kyle Shanahan, they're known for using the run to set up the pass. And in 2018, the Packers ran the ball on just 34.2% of their snaps. And with a freakish talent like Aaron Jones in the backfield, plus Aaron Rodgers uh, getting a little long the tooth nearing age 36, do you see the Packers running the ball on 40% of their snaps or more this season? I don't know if it'll be 40%, but I expect it to definitely be in the 30-plus percent range just because they didn't have a much of a running game last year. And for whatever reason, they just did not feed Aaron Jones the ball. Even though he had a lot of positive plays last year, they just went away from the running game and they just tried to shoulder the load with Aaron Rodgers, and that just wasn't the case. 
And that's why injuries started to pile up. And then the frustration ultimately derailed the locker room and it just shattered the relationship between Rodgers, McCarthy, and that entire locker room. So I'm really interested to see exactly what happens with this offense because there's a lot of hype surrounding it. And I think they have some unproven guys outside of Devontae Adams on the perimeter. They have a bunch of late round and undrafted free agents that I think could have an uprise this year just because they're depending a lot on those guys and Equinemia St. Brown, Geronimo Allison, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, just to name a few of those guys. Uh, I think the offensive line can be very good. Everyone knows that David Bakhtiar is probably the best left tackle in the game. They've added Billy Turner to hold down that right guard spot. And Elton Jenkins, a guy that we saw down at the Senior Bowl, I thought he had a dominant performance, especially in the one-on-one portions of the event. I thought he held up very well on another intriguing option that they added in the third round to pair with Jimmy Graham was Jay Sternberger, who had a lot of fans uh, in the draft community. So this is a very interesting offense that has a lot of moving parts and a lot of new pieces. So I'm excited to see what Matt LaFleur does to get all these guys involved. Oh, you addressed our next topic, which is our Packers fantasy focus, which is the receiving depth uh, behind uh, Devontae Adams. I was honestly surprised the Packers didn't give Aaron Rodgers more passing game weapons in the first two rounds of the draft. And as you mentioned, after Devontae Adams, there is a pretty huge question mark as to who that second threat will be. Jimmy Graham is clearly a player declined. He couldn't gain separation last year. And you mentioned Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown. All of them have shown flashes, but not enough consistency to emerge as that second weapon that will scare a defense. And you do have to factor in uh, Jay Sternberger and annual OTA star Jake Kumaro into the equation. And who do you think of those guys is the best bet to become Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy in the passing game outside of Devontae Adams, if you had to make a guess? I would say it would be between uh, St. Brown and Valdez-Scantling. I think both of those guys, just the the threat that they are down the field, I think Valdez-Scantling is more of a natural receiver as opposed to St. Brown being a home run, a feast or famine type of threat. So if I had to put money on it between those two, I definitely would put it on Valdez-Scantling. Thank you very much for that insight and the insight into the uh, locker room relationship with McCarthy and how that situation uh, quickly deteriorated last season and on defense the Packers have assembled quite a cupboard of talent these past few years and this season they added to that cupboard with edge rushers Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary plus Adrian Amos who we mentioned and the freakishly athletic Darnell Savage at safety and when you add those guys to those promising young corners they have in Jair Alexander who we both loved coming in, Josh Jackson and Kevin King does this Packers defense have the potential to be a top 10 unit this season? I think so and it's crazy saying that just about the Packers just because they haven't had a defense, a really good defense since the, the glory days of when Charles Woodson came over uh, from the Oakland Raiders in 2010. I believe it was when they won the Super Bowl. They had a really dominant defense that year, that year when Clay Matthews was in his heyday. So it's really interesting to see. I love the defensive line that they have, what they've added uh, with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. I think both of those guys, getting both of them was a huge coup because – a lot of people seen them as two, essentially two of the best pass rushers on the market. And then for Green Bay to go out and get both of them. And then you add in Rashawn Gary, who was seen as the biggest boomer bust prospect in the entire draft. And if they're able to get his light to finally click, I think this could be a very dangerous defensive line. You add that to Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, who both of those guys are absolute studs. I do have some questions in the middle of their defense. I think that's where they really are weak, especially up the middle. Blake Martinez is decent. Uh, Oren Burks is more of a rotational player. Kyla Fackrell, 
uh, who was the team's leading sack leader last year. He's a proven commodity, but uh, up the middle, I think they do have some questions as far as their linebacker depth. But the secondary, I think they have some really intriguing pieces. They bring over Adrian Amos from the from the Bears, uh, who was a really good player for them. Darnell Savage, who I had a first round grade on, I loved him down at the Senior Bowl and his leadership skills that he showed down there. We both were huge fans of Jair Alexander, uh, and then hopefully Kevin King can come on and Josh Jackson come on. Uh, and I think this can be a very, very good secondary. I believe so as well. And moving on to the Detroit Lions in the Motor City, where last season was anything but a smooth ride for Matt Patricia, as several players and coaches alike refused to buy into the Patriot way. And while Patricia overhauled the coaching staff to his liking, and he signed and drafted players that fit with his style of play, he and GM Bob Quinn, that is, does the fact that both Darius Slay and Snacks Harrison skipped mandatory minicamp in order to demand new contracts, do you see that as a troublesome sign that he's still struggling to have people buy into the culture that he wants to establish there in Detroit? I don't think so. I think that's more of those guys just wanting to be fairly compensated. And everyone knows that both of those guys are studs. Darius Slay is one of the top guys in his position. And then when they traded for Damon Harrison last year, the fifth-round selection that they traded to the Giants, he completely changed their defense, especially up the middle. And they just want to be they want to be paid handsomely, and they want to be paid what they're worth, which is which is totally fine, uh, because that's what they should be that's what they should be buying for, trying to make as much money as they can during their pro career. So I don't think it's a necessary uh, necessary area where they're concerned about the culture. I just think they want to be fairly compensated. I agree as well. And by the way, memo to NFLPA in upcoming labor negotiations demand higher wages do not walk away from uh, any deal that um, emphasizes the current wage uh, distribution you deserve a raise players do the right thing get yourself a raise and uh, moving on to our fantasy focus for the lions and under new offensive coordinator daryl bevel the Lions are likely to become a run-first offense, and according to Fantasy Football Calculator, Carryon Johnson's current ADP is the ninth pick of the third round. And given his immense talent and what he showed us last season, that makes perfect sense. However, the Lions also signed C.J. Anderson in the offseason, and he is no slouch whatsoever, as he showed with the Rams picking up the slack because of Todd Gurley's uh, knee condition. Uh, how much do you see C.J. Anderson eating into Carryon Johnson's carries, and is that enough to give you some degree of pause taking Carryon Johnson at his current ADP? I think he'll eat into it a little bit. I still think it's probably going to be a 60-40 split as far as how those guys are going to be incorporated. And yes, they do still have Theo Riddick, but I don't think he's going to be much of a threat as far as a rusher. I think they're going to involve him more in the passing game, uh, essentially treating him like an extra receiver, uh, like like New England treats James White. I think that's going to be his role, uh, getting some screens out the backfield or some tunnel screens out on the perimeter. Uh, but as far as Kerryon Johnson, I think he's the real deal. I loved him coming out of Auburn. It was just health questions with him. I know he's been battling a foot injury, and he got injured last year. I believe it was as well. Before he ultimately went down, he had a, heart, a hot start. Uh, I believe against the Dolphins, he had a really good game. That's really what put him on the map, on the map last year. But we saw how well C.J. Anderson can, can play. He came in for the Rams last year, essentially off the couch. I don't know where he had a huge, huge impact for them. And he ate into Ty Gurley's uh, carries a year ago and when he was battling his knee issue. So it wouldn't surprise me if Anderson does end up eating into his carries, but if Carryon Johnson does what he's supposed to do, I think it should stay at a 60-40 split. Yeah, so do you see a 1,000-yard uh, rushing season for Carryon Johnson if he stays healthy? Absolutely. I think he's very capable of doing that. Thank you very much. And uh, going to the defensive side of the ball, despite their down season, the Lions finished 2018 10th in total defense. And as you alluded to, one of the biggest reasons why was the amazing transformation of their front four. And 
Now you add Trey Flowers to, to that defensive line to go along with Snacks Harrison, who's arguably the best run stuffer in football. Deshaun Hand, who quietly had a magnificent rookie season for a fourth-round pick with three sacks and two forced fumbles. Romeo Okwara, who was signed off the scrap heap uh, when the Giants cut him. He registered seven and a half sacks last season. And Sean Robinson, who had his breakout season last year. Could this line's defensive line turn out to be the unit that far too many people slept on in in the 2019 offseason? Yeah, I think so. And Ashawn Robinson, a guy that's, I mean, he's came from Alabama. Everyone knows how, how they turn out studs every year. Deshaun Hand, another player that came from Alabama, that's a, that's an absolute stud. And I think something that a lot of people have to understand is that these guys aren't going to put up prolific sack numbers. They're just going to stand their gaps, uh, have heavy hands, and just do what they're supposed to do. And that's what Matt Patricia wants them to do. That's why he went out and got Trey Flowers. He understood now that he needed a true pass rusher. He went out and got Flowers, and he also went out and got Aquara. So he needed those true pass rushers as opposed to guys that could just two-gap and hold down their gaps, like Deshaun Hand, Ashawn Robinson, even Snack Harrison does uh, to an extent. So getting those two guys, I think, were really good additions. And the secondary still has some question marks. Darius Slay, we know he's a stud. Quandre Diggs, I think he, he's a player that has been a pleasant surprise for them since taking him in the sixth round. Uh, Miles Killebrew is now going to have a huge role now with Glover Quinn. Uh, announcing his retirement so there's there's some huge questions they're hoping T's Tabor can step up after they took him in the second round of the 2017 draft so there's some question marks from the secondary but as far as the first and the second levels I think I think they have some really good players Jared Davis is another player that we didn't mention in the middle of that defense that they're still waiting to see his true development uh, after taking him in the first round a couple years ago and hopefully he can step up this year and be a better player. He is Jordan Reed, ladies and gentlemen, of the Draft Network, and he's the host of the Draft Board Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at JReedNFL. And you mentioned the Lions secondary and Tease Tabor. Uh, Tease Tabor looks like he's headed toward bus status after uh, being taken in the second round in 2017. But the Lions drafted Amani Oruwarie in the fourth round this year. And a lot of people um, were wondering why Amani Oruwarie fell that far. And I was able to interview Amani Oruwarie at the uh, Senior Bowl and a very impressive dude. Uh, he was actually Saquon Barkley's roommate at Penn State. Uh, he reminisced about that, and I will be posting that interview to sportscrunch.com very, very soon. And uh, he de- he has a very similar body type and skill set to Richard Sherman. So, uh, And uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots took a pretty similar corner in Jawan Williams in the second round this year. Do you think there's a chance that Amani Orwarie can beat out Tease Tabor for that spot? Yeah, I think so, especially if Tabor continues to struggle like we've seen or remain inconsistent like we've seen in years past. But as far as a warrior, he's a guy that, you know, a long, lanky corner, every bit of 6'2", and you've seen him up close and in person. He's a long dude, and he's really good at disrupting receivers at the line of scrimmage. It's just a matter of the point after that. That's really where he does struggle. And I thought the Senior Bowl was really a disadvantageous event for him just because they play so much man coverage, and that's really not his forte. That's not his calling card. He's more of a zone, a turn his back to the sideline type of corner. So the senior ball really was an event where he would shine just because of the one-on-one drills. That's just not his forte. He's not a fluid hip mover or anything like that. Uh, but as far as his ball production, making plays on the ball, being able to zone turn and playing that Richard Sherman-like role, like you said, in a sense, I think that's what he can do. And that's what he can contribute to this defense in Detroit. Jordan Reed, thank you very much once again for donating your time and your talents to our show. But before we go, we'd like to play a little game called Truth or Exaggeration. And in this game, I just make a statement and you tell us why it's the truth or whether it's an exaggeration. And we start with the Bears. 
how much Mitchell Trubisky improves this season will be a more determining factor in how far the Bears get in 2019 than the kicker situation will be. Oh, that's true, without question. Mr. Trubisky has to step up this year, and he took massive steps last year, but everybody wants to see him take that massive step like some of the other guys in that class have taken. I know Patrick Mahomes is a terrible comparison for him just because of how well he played as a second-year starter, but if he can be Deshaun Watson-like status, I think the Bears can go a very long ways and definitely further than what they went a year ago. And that means staying in the pocket and running as a last resort, Mitch. Uh, get the memo. Yes. <laughs> truth or exaggeration? Aaron Rodgers' best days are behind him. I would say truth. And I say that because that's not saying that he's had a steep drop off or anything like that. He just has to learn to win from the pocket a bit more. And it's crazy to say that about Aaron Rodgers just because he is a bit fragile now with the collarbone and a host of other injuries that he has had. But standing there, reading defenses, going through consistent progressions and not creating so much off script like he has done in years past. I think that will make or that will help him last a bit longer. And Tom Brady is a prime example of that. And they have different types of playing styles. But why Tom Brady has been able to last so long in the league is that, of course, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion. But he gets the ball out of his hands so quick just because of how decisive and accurate he is. And uh, hopefully Matt LaFleur can get that out of Aaron Rodgers and elongate uh, his legendary career. Vikings, if he stays healthy, Dalvin Cook will total 1,200 or more yards on the ground and at least 1,800 total yards from scrimmage. Truth. I think the world of Dalvin Cook, I loved him coming out. It was just a matter of health with him. And even going back to last year, it was the hamstring. Then the year before that, it was the torn ACL. And I think he's missed 17 games uh, in his career to date, so... It's just a matter of staying healthy for him. He's a special player. I think he can be one of the better backs in the NFL, but he has to stay healthy going into year three. This is a huge year for him, and we've seen how serious the Vikings are uh, with him. They took a they took a running back in the third round, so they're prepared for life after Dalvin Cook if he's not able to stay healthy this year. And if he's not, of course, they're going to move on. But if he does stay healthy, I think he's a guy that definitely could be a top a lot of running back categories as we go into his third year. Oh, especially in that Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski offense running behind a Garrett Bradbury. That, I expect, uh, will happen if uh, Dalvin Cook uh, is able to stay healthy, God willing. And finally, the Lions. Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn will be fired at season's end if the Lions again post six wins or fewer. Yeah, and I put this up on Twitter uh, yesterday just saying that I think they're a team that's a prime example that could blow up the entire operation if they have a repeat performance from last year. And I know this is only year two of the Patricia era, but there was a lot of expectations for them last year. For them to come out and win six games, nobody really was expecting them to perform that poorly. But within this division, it's so tough with the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings. You could essentially see them easily going 0-6. And that's not an exaggeration at all just because of how tough this division is. You said it, Jordan, and once again, he is Jordan Reed of The Draft Network. Catch his incredible content at thedraftnetwork.com, including his interview with top flight 2020 running back prospect DeAndre Swift of Georgia. That was an awesome interview, by the way, Jordan. And check out his podcast, The Draft Board. And Jordan, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Follow him at NFL on Twitter. Jordan, you're the best, and we definitely look forward to having you on again very, very soon. Thanks as always for having me, David. 
Thank you, Jordan. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back with more 2019 NFL Division by Division previews very, very soon. So stay tuned. In the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Jordan. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Jordan Reed, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.